I was scheduled to be the number six witness for the president's legal team. And I was cut out of the list by the chairman of the committee, William Ligon. I had information that was detrimental to the Secretary of State's office and the elections director and the legal counsel for the Secretary of State. They had my statement in advance. They knew what I was going to say, and they cut me off. And it's kind of a sad thing because I had a lot of information that would have been helpful to the president. You're listening to The Propaganda Report with Brad Binkley and Monica Perez. This past week in Georgia, we've seen a Stop the Steal rally in Alpharetta, an alleged bombshell video from Rudy Giuliani, and a Trump rally on behalf of Leffler and Purdue in Valdosta, and a lot of overall chaos around election fraud. And with us today to update us on the latest happenings in the election chaos going on in Georgia is our election integrity expert on the ground, Garland Favrito. Garland, how's it going I know you've been really busy this past week. <laughs> yeah, so basically that's an understatement. I'm, I'm, my head is swimming. <laughs> I've almost forgotten what my name is, but I'm, <laughs> hang, I'm hanging by a thread right now. It's an amazing, just an amazing week. Um, I don't even know where to start. <laughs> How about, well, what, yeah, if you got, if you know where you want to go with it, that's fine, or I can prompt you, whichever was easiest for you. Well, I'm, I'm sure you probably want to talk about the hearing because yes. uh, the, the, the Trump legal team dropped a bombshell video this week of the State Farm Arena uh, ballot processing uh, videos that apparently the election workers didn't know existed. Um, and so it showed something that was very, very interesting to me. Um, and uh, there's some, a few, a little bit of a debate over it. But on the evening, on the morning of the election, the morning of election, there was an alleged delay, um, uh, supposedly because a water main burst. Well, as it turns out, there wasn't a water main burst. It was a, a leaky pipe, um, apparently near a, near a toilet area. And um, at that very time, the video shows, at least appears to show, that um, the, a small group of election officials at Fulton County, or election workers, brought in a bunch of suitcases and put them under their desk. And these suitcases are, um, are ballots. They contain absentee ballots. Then they uh, appear to have stayed there all day, election day, and at night, um, the supervisor uh, apparently told three different uh, uh, witnesses, uh, the, the Democratic monitor, Republican monitors, and a Fox 5 reporter that uh, they were shutting down for the evening, not going to process any more ballots. Um, and then um, after the monitors and the news left, they pulled out the suitcases that had been stored underneath the They'd skirted desk all day, and they began to scan another, what could it be, another fifteen or 20,000 ballots. So, uh, and to add a more craziness to it, about an hour later after that scanning was complete, and they would have uh, sent those over, uh, this, the cards over to get tabulated at the warehouse, uh, suddenly Joe Biden's vote totals spiked by approximately 100,000. Um, so it's incredibly suspicious. And um, the Secretary of State's office looked at the video and they said, nothing to see here. That's normal, the way absentee ballot process. Yeah, that seemed to be the, the, quote, debunk that was going around, from what I heard anyway, is the claim was that they weren't actually suitcases, that they looked like suitcases, but they were some sort of container that ballots are or normally stored in or something like that. And that they watched the full video with somebody said there was a journalist present as they were watching it. And they say that nothing that happened was out of the ordinary. And I also heard a claim that it's just on the word of some people saying they got sent home and that maybe it was 
maybe that they read into it that they were told to sit home, but they weren't actually told those words. But I did find an article from ABC on election night where it does say that they stopped the counting, just like you said, and they did send election officials home at 1030. So that part is corroborated by ABC News on an election night article. What is the response to those, quote, debunking claims? Yeah, so I can go you one better on that, Binkley. Um, Basically, there are three affidavits uh, from individuals there that they were told by the elections ballot processing supervisor. And just for clarity for everybody, I know most people are probably aware of this. What exactly is an affidavit? Yeah. So an affidavit is something that you are willing to attest for, you believe is true, and you're willing to stake your name on it uh, under the penalty of perjury. So, so three of these people who were there, one a Democrat and I believe two a Republican, have, uh, I believe, already signed affidavits that they were told that the, the counting was going to stop for the night. That's interesting. I had not heard that one was a Democrat. And yeah, that's... Oh, hey, Monica. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> jump, in, jump in here. You're being quiet. Well, my son is practicing his drums, so I'm trying to keep the, the mute on. So I did a poor job of introducing us overall yeah, today. Sorry. So I, I no, yeah, sorry. Um, well, but Monica, I remember the first time we talked, you said that there was go- that you uh, that was the, your greatest suspicion was that they sent everybody home and then all of a sudden... Uh, a bunch of votes were added to the tally at one thirty in the morning, and this narrative or these videos seem to support exactly what you had already expected or learned from the ground. I mean, it just feels like this this is a verification of a story that was uh, seemed to be what you were kind of expecting and just didn't expect to have proof of it, right? Yeah, and it's very it's very chilling. And now the there's a lot of focus on the suitcases. Well, that's the, that's the kind of the diversionary tactic. You know, you always say, look over here instead of looking at a thing. So Fulton County uses suitcases to put their ballots in, uh, certain types of ballots, like in, in person, uh, voting. So there's nothing unusual about the fact that these ballots were in suitcases because that's, that's the way they do things. What's really unusual about this is the process. Normally, the uh, ballots um, in any county, Fulton included, they have a very stringent check-in, check-out process. So you can imagine all the, all the absentee ballots are, are in boxes or suitcases in one area. And typically, you need to check them out, process them, check them back in, because uh, there's very tight controls on that. So no one uh, that I know of uh, would ever just take a bunch of of ballots in boxes or suitcases, regardless, and put them under the desk for all day and then bring them out later. Uh, that just doesn't happen in normal absentee ballot processing. Um, and then you have the other issue of why were the tables skirted to begin with? Um, that, that should not happen. You know, if when we did the hand count audit, we had 150 tables and there were no skirts on any of those tables because, you know, you don't want to um, you, you want to keep everything visible. So that was the only table that had a skirt on it, so covering up what was underneath it? Well, there were three or four tables that had skirts on it, and they all had these uh, suitcases of ballots um, that were uh, put underneath the tables, apparently for the entire day. So incredibly suspicious. Um, it's... It's, it is no one, you know, no one that I know of, no county operates in that manner when they process their absentee ballots. But the craziest thing of all about this is when the Secretary of State's office, Gabriel Sterling by name, who, who is the implementation manager for the voting system, comes out and says that that's normal ballot processing, normal absentee processing, that nothing could be further from the truth. Uh, so it's really bizarre because now you have the Secretary of State's office, who's normally been at odds with Fulton County over the last decade or so about a variety of election issues. Election issues. Suddenly, they're coming to the defense of Fulton County on this horribly corrupt-looking uh, video, and they're saying that oh, nothing to see here. Uh, that is probably the most amazing thing. Uh, of the of the whole um, this whole episode. 
that they're coming to the defense of them despite that what is on the video appears to be completely out of the ordinary from the normal processes. Exactly, Bigley. Yeah, that's that's that you know, to be honest with you, I wasn't like Monica's saying, I wasn't that surprised to see that video because we felt like the statistics from the line feed showed that something like that happened. I was not as surprised to see the video as I was to listen to Gabriel Sterling's reaction to the video that there was nothing wrong. Uh, that's what amazed me probably even more than the actual evidence itself. Well, the video that I saw came in a package. Binkley showed it to me of it was a screen that was split four ways and three of the, the rooms were other places that were um, election centers and none of them had any activity, any people at that time, 11 o'clock at night. Only the Fulton one had the people staying behind. And uh, so it seemed to me that that what I thought that was interesting because that is where you said was the problem. And that was where that video showed that different behavior. But I am surprised that people didn't see that those people didn't realize there was a camera right there. That's the only thing that I think is weird is that they took the 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 worst case scenario is that they took pains to hide it behind a skirted table, wait for everybody to go home. But they I mean, cameras are always everywhere. I, I'm so, Or maybe they thought they would that it would never see the light of day. Well, I think you're exactly right, Monica. I think they probably didn't. One is either they maybe they didn't realize that that uh, State Farm Arena had those cameras, and number two is even if it did, uh, they probably figured that it wouldn't have the light of day. Um, that's exactly what I think happened. And I had a similar and, thought about uh, that. Going Halloween, Halloweening, trick or treating, and kids are out doing whatever. Nobody think everybody knows that almost everybody has one of those nest cams or whatever version of that camera on their door, but people don't think about it. You forget about it unless you actually see it. And it could be an out of sight, out of mind thing. If you're really preoccupied on concealing something that's right in front of you, the camera that might be kind of, cause it is kind of far off and seems off in the distance of the room. It could be easy to forget about that. In my opinion. Yeah, and I I think that's what happened. Plus, I think the workers, um, if this pans out the way that we think it it pans out, I think the workers probably assume that uh, they they could get away with it because the um, officials there, uh, one in particular, was will will cover for them. Are they being interviewed? Have they been questioned? The workers. Um, I believe that they are, but I'm not privy to what is happening in, in terms of of witness um, uh, depositions and that sort of thing. But I believe that they are being questioned. That, that's I'm interested to see what that process would be like if they were questioned. Because I, when I saw that video, my first thought was, this is out of context. I don't know what the normal process is. I know there's going to be a counterclaim about it. I want to hear from those people who were working and who were in that video. And there's also a claim of a second video where they're alleged to be passing off a USB. I don't see a USB. I see what appears to be somebody passing something off, but it's kind of hard to tell what it is. Do you know anything about that video? Oh, and uh, it's allegedly the same one of the same people that was in the first video is the claim anyway. Yeah, I think I have seen that video um, and it is a little bit suspicious, but but speaking of the USB sticks and the memory cards, let's just walk back and, and so that everybody understands the process. So basically, the State Farm Arena is scanning the ballots. They don't actually do tabulation there. So what they do is they open the ballots and then they uh, run them through the scanner. And then the scanners create these little compact uh, flash memory cards. Uh, and uh, those are then taken over to a different location, a warehouse uh, in downtown Atlanta, where they are then uploaded into the actual election results for the, for the county. So these, the ballot processing is done at State Farm Marina, but the actual tabulation is not. And those uh, memory cards are, are then taken over to the other location. 
And now where, I don't know where that uh, handoff occurred at the, with the memory stick, uh, but I have seen the video. And getting the memory stick, would you be able to alter that data? Would it take special skills to be able to manipulate that data if you had access to that? Well, um, I suppose you could, but the easier, it really isn't any need to manipulate the memory stick. Let's take, for example, you could just simply scan the ballots a second time. So if you had a stack of a thousand Joe Biden ballots, for example, you could scan that stack 10 times and have 10,000 votes. Now, what you have to do, though, is you have to uh, check somebody off the voting rolls as being as voted. Um, so to ma- so that your number of votes, uh, number of ballots cast will match your number of voters voted. So you have there's a little uh, check in that regard. Um, but what's interesting is that basically the same uh, official or, or two that control the ballot processing uh, there at State Farm Arena also control the uh, ballot list, the absentee ballot list. So um, it's all under the domain of one, uh, really one individual, and it should be separated for uh, security reasons. What's that person's name? Do you know? <laughs> yeah, I do. Uh, but I uh, I will uh, say, I think I'm probably going to keep that for just right now. But okay. I, can't, I can tell you that um, there is a report that his son Oh, a couple of years ago, was working uh, as a contractor for Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms. Interesting. That's what I was curious about, if there was any bias, political leanings there. So yeah. would this explain why they had to wait until the polls were closed to see, so they could have names of people who did not vote to check off? Is there is there anything to that? Because um, I just wonder why you you were saying, like, they just, if this were the kind of cheating that people expect they kind of waited till the polls were closed try to see how many votes you needed to swing and i just wonder if if there was anything more to the timing because it was not just here in atlanta or there in atlanta it was in some other cities too the kind of same pattern i think you told us yeah so you're right they they would not uh know for sure until the polls close who did and didn't who did and didn't vote. However, my guess is that they would have checked off the number of voters ahead of time for however many ballots that they right. had. Right. But and the reason I say that, and there seems to be evidence to support that, is you we've had a lot of people to go in to vote and they have said that uh, they've been told that they've already voted uh, via absentee. And these people have not voted by absentee. So we're seeing a lot of that. So you, you could go back and look at the list and you could look for folks that hadn't voted in, uh, you know, five, seven years or something like that and check them off with a reasonable good right. chance that, th- that they're not, that they're not going to vote again. Right. right. Let me ask you a question. I was curious about this the other day. If you lived in a pre, a different state previously, is there a way that you can check and see if someone voted under your name in that previous state that you lived in? Cause I had heard that there was allegations that that was happening and I thought I've lived in other states. I wonder if there's a way to, to check that. Well, I can't speak for other states, um, but you can, uh, you can check here in Georgia and determine if you voted in past elections. Um, there is a way, I believe, to do that. Um, well, at least there is a way to do that, at least in the primaries. Interesting. So I understand that you're in a Twitter storm, maybe involved in a filing of an emergency affidavit of something like that. Can you tell us a little bit more about what's going on there? Well, uh, yes. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I, I was going to bring a lot of this out um, on uh, – at the hearing on Thursday. I'll, I'll tell you about that in a second. But so we did find a county in which uh, votes were swapped uh, from Donald Trump to Joe Biden. It's very similar in the man- to the manner in which the votes were switched in Antrim County, Michigan. Up there, there was about 5,500. Uh, down here, this was just a few dozen votes, but we did find an actual example. The way that we found out was we compared the 
hand count audit to the electronic count. And exactly in this case was 37 votes were flipped down in Ware County. Um, the, uh, elections, uh, director confirmed it to both myself and, a, and another gentleman who originally found it. And he confirmed that also in writing to us. Now, uh, we don't know why they, the system flipped the votes yet. Uh, it could be something, uh, nefarious such as malware, or it could be, uh, something we call like a ballot definition mismatch or configuration uh, mismatch. Um, however, those are not as likely. Uh, it's possible, but not as likely uh, for a variety of reasons. So uh, anyway, we uh, basically I have um, uh, just created an affidavit anyway this afternoon and sent this off because not only do the people in Georgia want it, but the people in Michigan want it because it shows that there could be possible foul play across state boundaries. Um, and then you're looking at, you know, the potential of a federal crime being committed. So again, we don't really know yet, but what we're what I'm asking for is that the systems be forensically audited and uh, examined in both states so that we can have some assurance that there's no malware on them. Or if we do know that there's malware, then we can take the appropriate uh, you know, legal uh, action against the potential perpetrators. So that's kind of where we are on that one. That's a that's a doozy of a of a situation. I got and when we broke that story last week, um, we had <laughs> quite a few uh, folks contacting us um, after that. My, my phone has been ringing off the hook from out of state folks all day today. I bet. What's up with the Governor Kemp, he came out and he asked the the secretary to do a signature match. Is there anything that's happened with that? Yeah, so um, I don't think anything's happened yet, Binkley, but a signature match is it's only going to be so good. You know, it's it's really uh, you know, you you can go back, uh, you know, they do have the envelopes, you know, they can go back and re, or they're supposed to keep the envelopes for 22 months. They can go back and match those against the signatures and see if uh, invalid folks voted. Um, they might be able to pull off some illegals, you know, or some people who voted, you know, that were no longer here uh, or, or passed away or whatever. Um, I imagine they can do uh, that, but the problem is you can't chase you can't trace those to a ballot. Yeah. So the only thing that you can do in that case is if you can eliminate, uh, let's say for example, if you found ten thousand of those, you could request that the court uh, eliminate ten thousand ballots in Fulton County. That would uh, help uh, Trump more than Biden, since you know about seven thousand of those would be Biden ballots and three thousand Trump ballots. I think the better approach is to, if you really, uh, we really need to find out what happened in Fulton County, because I think I told y'all on the show last week, there are four counters, uh, those who were counting the hand count, hand count audit, and they found that the actual ballots that they were counting appear to be fraudulent. And they described the balance, the characteristics of those ballots. And You're talking about the, the scan, right? Where it was a perfect circle and it wasn't folded. It looked like it had been come from paper machine. stock. Absolutely. Yeah. So that, that to me is the, that's the issue that I would have expected. And I'm still expecting the Trump team to be all over. I mean, basically, if you go in and you find these invalid ballots, then you can remove the ballot uh, and get a court to remove that ballot from the account. Um, and, you know, in all likelihood, based on the stacks of Biden ballots that we saw and almost no Trump ballots, uh, so often in Fulton, you know, it, it, there's very likely that there are thousands and thousands of Biden ballots that were introduced into the, into the count. Could so, they find them all or would they, I mean, I, unless they found them all, you, you know, like that seems to invalidate the whole process. Well, right. It, it, it would uh, invalidate the whole process, but I, I would just, you know, if it was me, I would just uh, invalidate the invalid ballots. And I would ask, I would seek a court order, to, you know, once we've, you know, once the ballots are inspected, uh, I would seek a court order to uh, get those ballots removed uh, from the count. And I think that, that that's an easy 
an easy win if, if in fact there is um, you know fraudulent ballots there. Uh, so that that would be what I would do. Uh, the trouble is you have to get an attorney, you have to get the a court to agree. Uh, but with the controversy that's around this uh, the Fulton County uh, absentee ballot processing right now, I would think that would be a pretty pretty easy thing to do. It seems to me, and I'm curious about what your opinion is on this, that Trump's team, Rudy Giuliani and all them, it seems to me like they're aware that the mainstream media is not going to cover in a legitimate way any actual evidence that is exposed. And it seems to me as though this presentation of evidence is more catered towards the electors in those states perhaps in an attempt to get them to be faithless electors based on the overwhelming amount of evidence that they might be exposed to. Is that, do you think that's an accurate statement to what their strategy might be? Well, yeah, I do, Binkley. Um, So it is, I think that that is their strategy. They're going, they're getting into favorable legislators and they're going to try to show as much corruption as they can and ask the legislators to uh, overturn the electors and, you know, vote in uh, uh, a different slate of electors and, and the state legislatures have the power to do that. So I think that's a good, uh, approach for the Trump team, assuming that the, uh, fraud's there and that's what we're seeing. But the problem is a lot of folks are going to say, oh, the Trump's, Trump's stealing the election. Yeah. And that way, because the, the legislature is politically motivated. Right. right? And, and that's why I think my, my suggestion is better in the approach of let's just go find the invalid ballots. There's probably enough there. Get them thrown out. And then no one can say that that's political. I mean, I, I, I believe, um, faced with 10 or 15, 20,000 invalid ballots that even, you know, any state court judge, even if they're a Democrat, would throw the ballots out of the election. So there, there, no one can claim that Trump stole it that way because yeah. basically he found legitimate fraud and the legitimate fraud, the illegal votes were removed from the count. Uh, no one can really argue that. Right. Do you know anything about this investigation into the New Georgia project? Last week, I, I was I was hoping I was suggesting investigate anything Stacey Abrams touches. And my wish was granted when I saw a story about the New Georgia project being under investigation. But I haven't heard much about that since then. Yeah, I, I haven't followed it too closely either, Binkley, because it really won't impact the results yeah. of the election. So the real question here is who won the Georgia electoral votes? And that's the question that we have to answer. So uh, I know that the Secretary of State um, basically started that investigation, but it's to me, it's a bit of a diversionary tactic. I was wondering, yeah. Yeah, it's another one of those look over here things instead of looking at the election fraud. The red herring, if that, you will. That's act, yeah, that's actually on video camera. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so that's that's the way I would see it. So, what do you got going this week? Last week, there all this stuff happened in Georgia, and I saw some of it from. Here's where I discovered about the the rallies and hearings and stuff from from your page and from Antifa's page. I didn't see the postings or publications about this stuff anywhere else. And I know that um, I would have been there had I found them out a little bit sooner. And maybe some of our listeners might have liked to have gone as well. Is there anything going on this upcoming week that people might be interested in checking out? Absolutely, Binkley. The big thing is that there will be a house hearings on Thursday. Okay. Uh, I would imagine they will go all day. Um, and uh, it, was, it will be in the House Government Affairs and Oversight, Shaw Blackman's group. So it's legitimately the House, not Rudy Giuliani saying this is a hearing. This is actual hearings within the Georgia House. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's equally as legitimate as the Senate hearings last week. And by the way, that brings me to a point um, that we haven't talked about yet. So I was scheduled to be the number six witness for the president's legal team. Oh, wow. And I got and I was cut out of the list by this by the chairman of the committee, uh, William Ligon. Uh, so I had information that was detrimental to the Secretary of State's office and the elections director and the legal counsel for the Secretary of State. 
And uh, they had my statement in advance. They knew what I was going to say. And they cut me off. And it's kind of a sad thing because I had a lot of information uh, that would have been helpful to the president, particularly in regards of trying to tie that video to the um, uh, the, the election line theme that, that showed the spike in Biden bumps, in, in Biden votes. So we could have tied all that together. We have several witnesses that can also even add more detail than what I've got. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to do that at the House hearing so that the House members can get this whole picture of how bad this really, really is. Just for clarity, was the person who cut you out of it associated with Trump's team or associated with the people hearing? No. See, that's the key thing, Binkley. Thanks for let me uh, uh, talk about that again. I want to emphasize that. No, the Trump's the Trump legal team, uh, uh, Jenny Beth Martin had had arranged the witnesses. They had collected all the affidavits and they had ordered the witnesses in the exact order that they would thought was would be the most effective to defend the president uh, and try to gain the electoral votes. I was on that list as number six. There were a few more, you know, number one was a video. There were a few more ahead of me that had good information too. Uh, like a, a, one, of the, one of the poll workers that counted the invalid ballots, you know, she saw the invalid ball- ballots, she let off. So, um, so I was number six. The legal team, we were all ready to go. They called me up. I'm sitting there outside the Senate. And then the, um, chairman, um, cut me uh, off of the list, moved me to the back of the list, and did not do that to any other person on the witness list. I was the only one who was scratched that I know of and moved to the back. Um, so that was very disturbing, but it's happened before, uh, and it's something that I should have anticipated. I would have anticipated that in the House. I felt like uh, I could trust the Senate a little bit more in the House, but that uh, obviously I was wrong about that too. Is the chairman, and this question has gotten to the point right now since we've seen the Republican Party kind of split into two with one supporting this investigation and the other kind of almost acting just like CNN in a certain way. Is this this person a Republican or a Democrat? No, uh, William Ligon is a Republican. Uh, He's a nice guy. Um, I know him pretty well. Um, He is retiring. Um, I talked with him after the hearing. I said, why did you scratch me and move me to the end? Because he knew knew, knew that we were not going to get to the end. There were like 36 witnesses, and that was just the first group. Um, of which um, there were probably another uh, 30 to 50 witnesses still waiting to testify. So, uh, you know, and I, basically I got uh, him some haws and, gee, we, some of the other committee members wanted to put on their witness. And, but it, it wasn't a matter of just bumping people down in the list. It was a matter of singling me out and scratching my testimony to make sure it did not get in front of the committee. And wow. you got no satisfactory explanation for that? No excuse that could possibly pass muster? No, I, I, I did not get a satisfactory answer for that. I hemmed and hawed. He hemmed and hawed. I asked him three times, repeated it, and I got, you know, a variety of, of different, uh, you know, excuses. But basically, you know, other people wanted to get stuff, you know, get, have witnesses. And, but, you know, all of that may or may not be true. Um, but you're very, I want to say this again. You are the least partisan person that I've ever met. And when people are not partisan and when they seem to be genuinely after the truth and trying to reveal factual information, like you were talking about earlier, just revealing the vote counts and the missing votes or the votes that got turned the wrong way. Those people tend to be the ones that get silenced by both sides from what my experience is. Yeah, Binkley, thank you. That's, you're absolutely right. And I, I'm kind of, uh, it's, it's very frustrating. But the, it was obvious to me that the committee wanted to play this as Democrats bad and Republicans good. Yeah. And the information I had, uh, in addition, I, I was going to go into significant depth about how the Secretary of State 
um, that compromised the audit. I think we talked about this last week with this reporting structure. So he he forced the counties to put all the results into his system, and then he told the counties what their results were. So that's uh, not that breaks the chain of custody for reporting, and it you know basically the counties ended up they didn't even have their own total results for the audit. So that was what the Secretary of State did wrong. Then the elections director told the counties to certify the Dominion results. Um, even as long as all the ballots were cast, he told the counties to certify the Dominion results in writing, and that would have covered up any vote swapping that we uh, would have identified with like that in, in Ware County. So that was another problem. Then the legal counsel for the Secretary of State tried to keep us from getting on the floor as monitors uh, by saying that, uh, you know, well, no, Constitution Party is not qualified to be a monitor party, even though we had a qualified write-in candidate on the presidential ticket for this election. Uh, he was trying to keep us off. Uh, the counties were blaming him for it. He would not answer his personal cell, uh, nor would Brad Raffensperger answer his personal cell either when I called him uh, to try to find out why we were being blocked. That's interesting. There's something going on, no doubt, when you hear things like that happening. What time is the hearing on Thursday, and can the general public attend? Definitely the general public can attend, Binkley, and um, it will be most likely all day. I think it's going to have to run all day because uh, last time they started at 1, they went to about 7 at night, and, and two-thirds of the witnesses never got to testify. Wow. So there's a lot of people with a lot of information that aren't being heard. This is interesting. Yeah, uh, everybody has a different story. Uh, and when you add them all up, it's just un- it's unbelievable. Now, in fairness, some of them are onesie twosie things. So what I try to focus on are the big issues that could overturn the entire election if they were true. For example, you know, does Fulton County, are they sitting on thousands of ab- fraudulent absentee ballots right now? So we don't know that, um, and that's what we need to find out. I want to ask you something a little um, maybe more nebulous. I uh, there, I think Linwood had, what was it, a hearing or a rally even with Sidney mm-hmm. Powell in Georgia this week, if I understand correctly? Yes. And I, I was just, it seemed weird to me that the angle that he was taking it's it, maybe I misunderstood it. I think the guy who runs Gab threw this out there this week, too, which I mm-hmm. thought was kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. This idea that now is the time to not vote Republican in advance of these runoffs on January 5th to just teach people a lesson or something like that. The implications of that will be dramatic to do that. Mm-hmm. And I just I wondered if you noticed that or had any opinion on that or you're just keeping your eye on the ball. Yeah, I, no, I do actually have a, a couple of opinions on that, <laughs> probably more than one. So, um, yeah, obviously that's a bad thing to do, particularly if you're a Republican. And uh, Lynn Wood, I think historically, Lynn Wood is a Democrat. So um, he maybe had a vested interest in trying to divide the party um, a bit. Um, on the other side, I'll try to give Linwood the benefit of the doubt and say, well, maybe he was trying to get the Republicans to stand up and say, look, you know, if they don't stand up right now, nobody's going to vote for you and you're going to, you know, you're going to be out the door. We're going to lose two Senate seats and and maybe some more legislative seats. So maybe he was trying to play the card in that way. Uh, of course, it didn't come across. It came across more as, as the former, uh, whereas he's trying to really you know, screw up the Republican Party. Absolutely. I mean, that that sounds much more plausible to me because that is the most likely outcome if he's successful. Trump played both sides of that, too. Trump retweeted some of the tweets that Linwood and I can't remember the guy's name, but the organizer of the Stop the Steal rally. He retweeted some of those sentiments that the Republican Party has abandoned you. They're not here. They're not fighting for this. Well, he was a but Democrat, then, But then too, he's right? in Valdosta at the rally <laughs> for the those two candidates. So he's kind of playing both sides of that as well. What do you right. think is going to happen? And I know that you're of the belief that there is 
evidence there, I believe, if I if I recall from our, our last uh, conversations. Do you think it will ultimately get overturned in Georgia? Uh, I, I do. I, I think it will ultimately get overturned in Georgia. I think the only thing that will stop it are either cowardly Republicans or incompetence in regards to the attorneys being able to get all the evidence on the table. Um, the ev- the, I think the evidence of the ballots being invalid has to be investigated. We have to get access to the ballots and absentee ballots in Fulton and see what's there. That's got to happen. Um, there, uh, you know, you still got the questions of the vote flip. Is there something there? I don't know that that impacted Georgia as much as it did Michigan. Uh, I think that Michigan may, we may find out something that is much more prevalent up there. Um, but yeah, so those have to happen, uh, next week. I don't think that Lynn Wood's suit was ever going to go anywhere. I think I mentioned that to you before on the show mm. last week. Uh, I always said that Sydney's suit is the one that's going to do it or not. And, you know, and I think Lynn's suit was rejected at the 11th Circuit this week. I think it was a standing issue, which was the first thing I thought of. I thought, you, you don't get to just sue this. You, if he represented Trump, maybe. But I think it was a standing issue that that negated that case. Does that sound right? Yeah, uh, I know that was an issue. The other issue, uh, and it, but even even if he didn't have the standing issue, there's still the issue. He's claiming that it's unconstitutional for the Secretary of State to establish the signature restriction parameters um, because he's usurping the legislative authority. Well, House Bill 316 doesn't specifically state what those parameters should be. Yeah, and I mean, even... The legislative branch, it's actually the way that things are broken up in the federal government, too, is that the executive executes the laws in the manner he sees fit, I think. I mean, that seems like a weak case. Yeah, it, it does. The only way that I can see Lynn Wood arguing that successfully is if he claimed that the uh, statistically, um, the Secretary of State uh, reduced the restrictions so tremendously that he basically subverted the intent of the legislature for the matching requirement. Right. I, I think he could argue that, and he does have some statistics to back that up, but that would be, um, I would think, the only way that he could he could win that case. Well, is there anything that we haven't covered that you'd like to tell everyone? Uh, well, Yes. I would like to tell everyone that I, I, first of all, I want to thank Monica and tell everyone that I got the most, the nicest Christmas gift <laughs> this week. I got a new headphones and a new mic. And this is not just any mic and new headphones. This is all professional studio quality stuff. I now have a, a, a little uh, studio in my, my office here and all thanks to Monica. So, uh, Monica, Thank you very much for that. The Christmas came early for me this year. Well, you're very welcome. And it is a uh, very minor contribution compared to your contribution (laughs) to our shows over the years. So keep up the good work and maybe you'll get more word out if it's easier for you to do it. (laughs) And how can people... uh, we mentioned Thursday yeah. if people wanted to go down to the hearing. Are there any ways that people can can help you out or help the cause out? Yeah, well, I'll definitely get a clearer word out too. Um, so, Binkley, that's a great question. Um, I, I would say you know you can you, you can go to Voter GA. Uh, you can join the uh, Facebook Voter GA page or follow me on Twitter, Voter GA, um, and. Um, we, uh, you know, the Constitution Party of Georgia is very, very active in defending uh, this issue. We've got a lot of volunteers over there. I, I serve as elections director for that. Um, so you can fi- find out more information that way as well, constitutionpartyofgeorgia.org. Uh, and um, that I really, you know, appreciate it. And there's, it's going to be a wild, wild week. <laughs> I don't know. It's, yeah. I mean, it's getting wilder every single week. Yeah, it, it, it really is. This week will be probably even wilder than last week um, because we're going to have to get to the bottom of the ballots and then we're going to have the hearing. Uh, and I, I don't know if the president's team is coming back. 
I heard that they were not. However, I suspect they're going to want to uh, talk more about this video. And they only had uh, uh, literally a few hours, not, maybe a half a day to look at that video and put it together. So now that they've had a week, I think that you're going to see a much more powerful presentation on that by whoever is going to make it. And uh, we certainly hope to tie our evidence into it as well. Um, so it's going to be a fascinating week. Buckle up, then. Yes, indeed. We'll be back here next next week for the same thing for another show with all kinds of more new information. Oh, there was one thing I wanted to uh, ask you, Garland. I know you said earlier uh, that they decided to certify or ordered certifying the Dominion numbers regardless of any changes they might have found in the audit or the recount, unless there was like whatever, quote, widespread fraud. That's something I read, something like that. But Unless there was a difference in ballots. So if if they didn't process all their ballots and they said, put all the ballots in, but then it's okay, whatever the vote counts are. If it's swap votes, that's all right. Well, I'm kind of obsessed with the with the Senate thing. I I don't even normally I vote just as a matter of principle. I just always write in Ron Paul and, you know, and if there is referendum now, I live in California, referendum and stuff like that. But with the Senate thing, like the the only thing scarier to me than just a generally large government is a generally large government where the Democrats control every branch. <laughs> and the, and like we've just set a precedent for $4 trillion deficits and a complete abandonment of all constitutional rights. I mean, not that the Republicans would be any better, but to have a, a tension there so that at least some Republicans would have to stand their ground, whatever. So to me, I really care what happens in the Senate race in Georgia. So when I saw the audit, saw the recounts, I was hoping that because the, the margin with Ossoff and Purdue is so small, I was just hoping, you know, that there would be a change in that vote count. But nobody's even talking about that. I tweeted at Gabriel Sterling. He's like, yeah, that's not changing. And I, I, you know, I think I've I touched on this before with you, but is there any any hope whatsoever that that Purdue Ossoff race does not go? You know, I, I think you said there was some hope. Is that hope fading, or is it as strong as whatever hope there is for Trump victories? Yeah, that's a great question, Monica. I'm glad you asked it. So, um, yes, there is significant hope, and and this is the way uh, that I see that playing out. Let's suppose you do get the court order, you find the invalid ballots. Uh, they uh, and the president gets them removed. Let's suppose there are 15,000 invalid ballots and the president gets those removed from the count. And they're, you know, they're all are likely to be um, Joe Biden ballots. And so once he's removed those from the count for his race, the most of them, we think, are downvoted ballots. They're, so the down ballot races were voted as well. Uh, at least in quite a few. So if I was David Perdue's legal team, I would be coming right behind Trump the next day and saying, wait a minute, you just threw them out for the president's race. We want you to throw them out for the Senate race and recompute the totals. Uh, I I can see that happening. And that could throw uh, David Perdue out of a runoff. I, I, I could really see that happening. Yeah, all right. Well, we're going to pay attention to that. That might very well be the best shot that David Perdue has, the way that this is looking. The ads uh, the ads they're using against David Perdue, I find them to be, I think they're powerful. And I think with Stacey Abrams' operation she has set up, I said it again, I, I think there's a lot more to worry about than the Republicans have been leading us to believe. Mm-hmm. Could be. Well, you do know that most, almost all of Shane Hazel's votes will go to David Perdue. And, yeah, yeah. And you've, you've got the other issue that the de- Democrats have never turned out for runoffs very well. So I think that this will be different, though, this time. With I'm worried. I'm worried that just what Binkley said, that, that the way he said that, that it is now plausible that the Democrats will win and knowing all the shenanigans that go on with the elections now, I'm worried that they're just going to get it close enough to steal. Like, wasn't that somebody wrote a book? Like, it has to be close enough to steal. That was part of the argument that Lynn Wood made. Well, Lynn Wood and Sidney Powell made for 
they're just going to steal it again. So why go vote until they fight to to fix it? I know, but that's just yes, I yes. I hear you. Yeah, that's just it's just crazy. That is right. getting that really feels that subversive. Divide, and yeah, I didn't realize crazy. that Lynn Wood had been a Democrat. Well, it well, see what he tweeted makes today, sense. I know it was alleged that he had donated to I think David Perdue's opponent previously, and that he had some sort of beef with him. He was tweeting today saying that he has donated. A bunch of money to David Perdue as well. I don't know the truth of all that. I haven't verified it, but he's starting to seem like one of those politicians, like most politicians, where you donate to both sides, you play both sides for whatever your own personal agenda seems to be. Maybe he's going to run for governor. Maybe that's why he's but targeting I think, Kemp. I don't know. I think the Gab guy also had a kind of hidden history of this QAnon Christianity combination that they are linking yeah, just together like is, is interesting. Popped up out of nowhere yeah. and I really think that they're going to direct that to start folding in bigotry into that yeah. you, you know like the whatever but that that is that is a totally different topic so yeah, we're going to stick to this and um, wrap it up unless there was something else Garland that well, that we didn't get to I, I think we, well, we should end with Binkley's point which I think was really really important and that is if if the Republicans allow the Democrats to steal the president's electoral votes in Georgia, which it looks like the evidence is saying, if they allow that to happen, they allow the president's electoral votes to be stolen, then Sidney Powell is exactly right. If they're going to steal the president's votes, they're going to steal the Senate races. So it, we have to stop the steal uh, by making sure that the president really, really either won or lost. And uh, that's what I'm all about right now. We really know, need to know the truth. And um, that will basically in help ensure the integrity of the Senate race if we can uh, show where the fraud was in the uh, election, in the elections for the president and then correct that in time for the Senate race. Fantastic. Thank you again for joining us and giving us fantastic information. Garland, check out Garland's Facebook page. Follow him on Twitter. He is putting great information out there and he does it from an unbiased perspective where he really is trying to stick to the facts and doing a good job of it. So thank you again, Monica. Go ahead. Thanks, Pickley. Really, you give me hope for activism. Like I, I'm really as cynical as they get, but when I see you making a difference out there, it makes me want to do stuff. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's true. So, at Voter GA, I I love it when you tweet. Yeah, Yeah, it's Voter GA. You know, it's funny. I've been wondering why I've been doing what I've been doing for 18 years. I think it was for this very moment. That's why I've been doing it. Yes, you are. uh, We we did notice your phone is blowing up behind you. I know. We can hear it. You are the man of the moment, Garland. You definitely have some uh, some calls for I'm telling you, I've said it before and I've said it again. They didn't count on Garland when they decided to make Georgia the center of the storm. That's right. (laughs) Thanks again. I can't wait to talk to you again, Garland. Have a great week. All right. See you later. Thanks, Monica.